Greetings and salutations to you on your Friday afternoon, getting set to send you into the weekend. And I tell you what, it was almost the perfect day if you're an Upper Peninsula sports fan yesterday. Brewers won, Tigers won, Pistons won, Bucks won, Red Wings won, and then Michigan played. Well, Michigan had a game. They didn't didn't play. Texas Tech played. Yeah, Michigan didn't show up. That was a tough scene. So it was almost a perfect day for sports fans up here. Yeah, unless you're a college basketball fan. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner Hoops with you in the sports pen. My man Ryan Steeg in the studio with me. What's up, Ryan? Not much. It, uh, it's a nice day outside. It's Friday. You know, I'm feeling good. We're getting ready for the weekend, and uh, we've got play to go over today. I wish we had three hours today because we got a lot to pack into the next 60 minutes. Uh, we've got, of course, what happened with Michigan yesterday. Opening day yesterday, uh, the NCAA hockey tournament dropped the puck about an hour ago. Game one is just starting the second period. Game two is just dropping the puck now in Fargo. And, of course, the Friday funnies to send us into the weekend. Yeah, and... Uh Baseball, and of course, which was released late last night, uh, the boys LP. Yes, all UP rankings came out. So that was a that was a pretty interesting uh, meeting. It was, we a, it was an interesting meeting, wasn't it? Always is. We get a good group together for that. Tell you what, we could start a number of places, but why don't we start with Michigan? Just get that out of the way okay, for sure. our listeners because I think we're obligated to go over it. Uh, Michigan sees their season come to an end last night in the Sweet 16. They were thumped by Texas Tech, a game that was never really close. I tell you what, there are three numbers, Ryan, that stick out to me uh, regarding how Michigan played in that game. 16, 14, and 5. 16 is the total number of shots Michigan made in the game. 14 is the total number of turnovers they committed. So 16 made shots, 14 turnovers, and then 5 was the percentage of three-pointers they made in the game. They were 1 for 19. Wasn't there, like, at one point, weren't they, like, had the worst in, like, tournament history or mm-hmm. something like that? They made a three-pointer in garbage time when the game was well-decided, and that saved them from failing to make a three-pointer in a game for the first time since 2013, and it just barely gets them over the mark for worst shooting performance in tournament history. How, how can you be that bad? Mm-hmm. Like I've I've seen like I wouldn't I wasn't necessarily surprised that they lost because yeah. you know I picked them to win but Texas Tech is you know a decent team you know and they are they can make some noise they've got a good defense so I I was just more shocked in the fact that forty four points yeah you couldn't even hit fifty Mm-mm. you could I mean and their shots weren't close they're, yeah they're missing shots they're not driving the lane effectively they're making mistakes passing they're turning the ball over i'm like john how can your team not be ready to play <laughs> and not like not like we lost by like five or even mm-hmm. by eight no we got blown out and mm-hmm. we didn't even hit the 50 point mark it's no. like they looked like they weren't even in the not like they were stuck in the locker room but like didn't board the flight <laughs> Up to Anaheim. Michigan football has scored more points in a game than the basketball team did last night. Yeah, they said, well, somebody tweeted out last night and said, what was, what's worse, the, uh, the performance Michigan basketball had against Texas Tech or the performance Michigan had against Ohio State on the football Mm, field? Ouch. Yeah, that defense from Texas Tech is a real deal. And we've been singing their praises all year as we should. Michigan had not seen anything like that and it showed. Yeah, it, uh, I, I was so confident that this team could go deep. I really thought they were the best team in the country in January. Yeah, I thought that this team had the ability. Mm-hmm. I thought they had the talent that they could at least make the Frozen Four. Wasn't sure about championship because I know there's a lot of good. There are some good teams yet, Duke and UNC and, this and team stuff is like better that. Better than last year's team that did make the finals. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you thought like they had the pieces there, but to just lay a complete egg, just flop on defense, just. It was like nothing was there, and and when you see games like that, you're kind of in a state of disbelief. Like, how were you not, you know? It's like were you not expecting this type of defense? Mm-hmm. They've only been doing it the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like did you not watch film? Did you like just decide to go out and I'm just gonna wing it tonight, see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just it was weird. Elsewhere, Gonzaga is able to hold off a pesky Florida State team. Really didn't make a run at those Zags, but, you know, they didn't really get close. Kept them at arm's length. And if there was any kind of Cinderella, there's not any more. Oregon and their rally came up short against Virginia. Well, that was too bad because I I was really pulling for Oregon. I I was too. I wanted wanted to have a... 
a team make it to the Elite Eight, you know, kind of a Cinderella team. Seed. Which is weird, because you wouldn't think Oregon no. as, a, <laughs> as a type of Cinderella team. But they're a 12 seed. If yep. they had make it to the Elite Eight, that would have been fun. But uh, instead, uh, they get um, they got bounced, and now Virginia gets to face Purdue, yes. who has the best game of the night. Oh, boy. How about that one? They go to overtime against Tennessee. They blew a 25-point lead, Tennessee did, on Sunday, and then they erase an 18-point deficit last night. They're one of the most confusing teams. I guess that's no longer in the tournament. Purdue is one of the most confusing teams that's still in the tournament for me. This team was 2-5 and five to start the year. They lost to a horrible Notre Dame team in December. That was Notre Dame's best win of the season, and they have... I don't know if zero momentum is the right term, but they didn't have much when they entered the NCAA tournament because they get bounced their Big Ten tournament opener by Minnesota. And now here they are, tearing it up to the Elite Eight. Well, to be fair, Minnesota did win a tournament game They this did year. win yeah. a tournament game, but they had to shoot the lights out to yeah, do it. So let's, you know, let's not, not slight them too okay, bad. Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, that was a pretty crazy game. I mean, I thought Purdue was in control. Mm-hmm. I thought their offense was going well. They were playing good on D. And then in the second half, just completely fell apart and got rattled and made mistakes. And you wouldn't expect a team that was looking so secure to just start getting shaky all of mm-hmm. a sudden, but they were. And then uh, Tennessee let Purdue hang around. Klein decided to go off, you know, and they just... needed it. And, like, <laughs> I still... I'm still amazed by that one three he hit where he shot it. It was like a 25-footer almost. Mm-hmm. It was like and straight through the net. He's the new like, number one overall pick in this year's draft. You calling it? No. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, but it was it was a cool performance. Uh, he was trending on Twitter. <laughs> Someone pointed out he protected his tweets before the game. Oh, that's that's smart. Don't yeah, pull a deep Genzo. And some guy goes, <laughs> he goes, dude knew it was coming. He was preparing for himself. He's either, if Purdue loses, he's going to get a lot of bad tweets. If they win, he's going to get you know, slammed with constant tweets, like if they're win. So just uh, getting a, you know, proactive, you know, move on his part. But, uh, yeah, and then... <laughs> And then Rick Barnes decided to Rick mm-hmm. Barnes himself. And Matt Painter didn't. Yeah, he, yes, Matt Painter, who is notorious for making questionable decisions, mm-hmm. did not do that. Rick and Barnes, Rick, Matt and Rick, Rick, Rick Barnes <laughs> decided to do his best Matt Painter impression. And I'm looking at that, and I'm just like, what strategy was that there? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you got 1.7 seconds. Logic says you get the inbounds, and the guy tries to dribble up the port fast and give off a heave of a shot. They threw it to a guy at half court who then passed it to a guy across the half court, and then Rick Barnes calls timeout with .1 seconds left. <laughs> Can't even get a tip off. No, legally. no, it's like, do you see the attempt they had? The guy, like, lunged to the ball and <laughs> flipped it over his shoulder. I mean, it's just like... I mean, why wouldn't you just call the timeout and just set up a play and just because 1.7, if you get, you can, let's say you get the pass to half court, mm-hmm. the guy can maybe get a good dribble off and then get off the shot, you know, a reasonably closer three pointer. It might have been like a 28 footer, <laughs> you know, or, you know, almost a half court shot, mm-hmm. but they had a better chance than what you did there. So I. <sighs> So I was all over just Rick Barnes being Rick Barnes, and uh, he just—is he the guy who? Is he the guy who is the? My team does great in the regular season and flops in March. Him it, and Tony Bennett fight for it because mm-hmm. because uh, I'm still weirded out in the fact that Rick Barnes couldn't go far in the tournament with Kevin Durant yeah. on his team. <laughs> People remember his teams at Texas, and he still couldn't get them to make a run in March. Yeah. Took a team to frozen two of the uh, final four once with mm-hmm. TJ Ford, mm-hmm. but then he ran into Carmelo Anthony in the orange. So that was that made me happy. But uh, yeah, he, I I don't get it. It's like, and then people are trying to defend him, and it's like he's not. He's a good coach, mm-hmm. but it's like when it comes to crunch time in the tournament, his teams don't show up. No, they don't. <laughs> and you even look at Tennessee. I mean, they. <laughs> they blew a lead, had to have a furious comeback to get back into the game, mm-hmm. and. Ended up blowing it anyway. Yeah, and then so. they got they got thrashed in overtime. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, mm-hmm. Carson Edwards decided to go off at mm-hmm. that point. I mean, he was already having a good game, but then he really took control. And uh, the stat that stood out to me 
free throw shooting. Yeah. They were both just awful at the line. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I'm thinking if Bill Saul was watching that game mm-hmm. and his team was shooting at the line, he'd be pulling his hair out. Oh, right? I'm sure he <laughs> yeah, because it's like, but didn't like Purdue weren't they like 13 of 20? They were really bad. Yeah, 13 really of bad. like 28, and Tennessee went got it down on the end. They were missing their free throws that could have clinched it. Mm-hmm. It was just. I, I don't know. I imagine Matt Painter's going to have like a free throw clinic or something like that <laughs> in preparation for uh, Saturday's game. Okay, guys, today in practice, everybody's shooting like 50 free throws. <laughs> we are going to have Tony Bennett against Matt Painter in the Elite Eight. Which one can blow it first? Which one can blow it in March 1st? Matt Painter, will he Painter himself first or will Bennett Bennett himself first? I think... I think it'll be I think it'll be Bennett Benetting himself. You think so? Because just because it, it took a long time for them to show up. I mean, mm. yeah, they beat Oregon, but they should have beaten Oregon, right. and they only won by four, mm. wasn't it? Like four? Yep. Yeah. So it's like when you only beat a twelve seed by four, and you haven't really jumped out and impressed anybody as a one seed. You got a good Purdue team that fought off in overtime and looked very, very good for the majority of the game. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised at all if Purdue ends up making the f- Final Four. You know what frustrates me? Mm-hmm. I went back and forth on my bracket. I was <laughs> thinking about putting Purdue in the Final Four, and I'm just like, you know, Matt Painter is going to painter himself. <laughs> you know, he's going to make a mistake. I had them I had them losing to Tennessee last night, mm-hmm. and... And it looked like they were going to, they so I would I would have looked smart in that regard. But uh, then Tennessee couldn't hit the free throws, and Rick Barnes Rick Barnes himself. So here are your stats of the day from that game. Before we go on to something else, Tennessee is the first team to play back to back overtime games in the NCAA tournament since Florida did so in 2011, and. This was Purdue's seventh overtime game in NCAA tournament history. The Boilers are now four and three in overtime games. They snapped a two-game losing streak last night. There's your stat for the day. There's your stat for the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tell you what, uh, before we get into tonight's matchup, because you got Michigan State against LSU, you've got Duke and Virginia Tech. Outlaw is going to play for the Hokies, a team that already beat Duke this year. But before we do that, I want to talk a little more about Texas Tech and Chris Beard and the great job that that third-year head coach has done. A couple of years ago, he was at Arkansas Little Rock, and he led that team to a 30-5 and season and NCAA tournament appearance, and he gets the regular season championship in the Big 12 this year. They finally knock off Kansas after 14 years. It was their first ever win at Kansas this year, Texas Tech's uh, first ever victory in Lawrence. Chris Beard looks like he may be the new it guy as far as Big 12 basketball coaches go, and the rumors that say Bill Self could be leaving Kansas after this year might have a little truth to them. I mean, there are rumors linking him to taking over the Bulls job for Jim Boylan here in the offseason. Maybe even Texas A&M, if he wanted to throw his hat in the ring for that job, I wouldn't doubt it. When you look at Bill Self, he's an undoubted Hall of Famer, what he's done, but he only has one championship. That was in 2008, I believe. Over Memphis. Yeah, and that's, that's not the Kansas standard. I know that he's an excellent head coach, but this was a terrible year for Kansas by their standards. I wouldn't be surprised to see him exit the Big 12, try to get a fresh start somewhere else. I, I, I could see it, but at the same time, do coaches really excel in the NBA? Not everybody's cut out to coach in the NBA. No. And uh, it's you really have to shift your focus because in college basketball, it's all about recruiting, and you have control over 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. In the pros, you're trying to coach millionaires, some of which are probably smarter than you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you look at LeBron and what he had with David Blatt. Yes. <laughs> so it's like you have, you know, you have a lot of ego to deal with. You have a guys with a lot of money, and you're trying to fight for control. Whereas if you're in college, you have complete control. You're like a dictator of your own little team. You are? Yeah, and it's like... And some of you are grossly overpaid dictators of their teams. But, uh, you know, you're in charge. You have control. That's what a lot of coaches want. Would you leave that for an NBA gig? I mean, yeah, you'd probably get a good chunk of change out of it. But it's like if you're a guy who likes control, you're not really going to get to have it in the NBA. I don't know that he's going to leave Kansas. I'm not even expecting him to. But I just wouldn't be surprised if it does end up happening. I tell you what, uh, before we take a timeout, which game intrigues you the most tonight? You've got Michigan State, LSU, Auburn, Carolina, Duke, Virginia Tech, Houston, Kentucky. 
Um, I would say it's a tie between Michigan State's game and Duke's game. Uh, mm-hmm. I like. I want to see if the Spartans can do well. I think LSU will be a interesting battle for them, but I think the Spartans will be able to move on. The question is, is is Duke for real? No, yeah. because they haven't looked good. No, like. I mean, they struggled in the first half against a 16 seed that they should have blown out of the water, and then they probably <laughs> they should have lost to UCF. I mean, <laughs> how frustrating is that? That shot bounces off the rim, the tip in bounces off the rim. It's just like it was all there. God didn't want UCF to win. No, no, Duke lucks out like they always do, and it's just so Virginia Tech. Did they beat Duke this year? They did. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Could they do it again? I think it's a distinct possibility. It is a possibility. Especially the way Duke is playing. I mean, uh, someone said, uh, I can't remember, it might have been Billis who said, uh, are they going to wake up now? Mm-hmm. Now that they've lot, almost should have lost yep. <laughs> in the second round, are they going to get their act together? Mm-hmm. Now that you're playing a team that already beat you once, I don't know. That's like, I, I imagine some people who pick Duke are probably wondering if they should have. Right. Because. They're not the world beaters that you think they would be. Give me a percentage before we go to break. How likely is it that Duke survives this weekend? Because if they get by Virginia Tech, they're probably going to get Michigan State. That's a tall order to ask the way they're playing right now. Oof. What's a percentage? I mean, I'm going to say 60. Yeah, maybe sixty-five at okay. tops, just because just because the way they're playing. Uh-huh. I mean, I think they, if they were playing like maybe not like at their top potential, but like at like an eighty-five, ninety percent potential, I'd say I'd put it up maybe seventy-five, eighty, eighty-five. Mm-hmm. But almost losing that last game that they probably should have lost. I mean, if they struggle against Virginia Tech, they're prime for the picking for uh, <laughs> for Michigan State. So it they are not. A safe pick, I would say, tonight. Not at all. Ryan Stig in the studio with us. I'm Tanner Hoops. We owe you our first time out when we come back. Opening day and a good day for the teams around here. We break it down for you next in the Sports Pen and ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Continuing to keep an eye on the NCAA hockey tournament. We've got it pulled up on the monitor. They've officially dropped the puck a little over an hour ago. UMass and Harvard out in New Hampshire got going. They're scoreless in the second period. Ohio State and Denver out in Fargo are scoreless as well. Uh, My main man, John Butchagross, on the call for this game. I got pulled up here in New York. I've got a bet with him tonight on the Notre Dame game. Really? Yeah, he uh, has those hats. I'm sure you've seen them on Oh, Twitter. yeah, I see uh, NMU fans have those, too. They've got the hats that are phonetically spelled for Boston area fans that say college hacky. Yeah. I've got a bet with him that if Notre Dame wins by multiple goals tonight, he has to send me a hat. If they don't, then i got to buy one from him. So, like... Define multiple. Like, are you talking two or more? Or? Well, the thing is, because they play Clarkson tonight. Clarkson has the nation's longest unbeaten streak. They've won seven of their last nine. They've tied the other two. Notre Dame has won four straight entering this game. Three of those four have been by one goal. So, Butchie's thinking this is probably a one-goal game, if not overtime. I'm thinking Notre Dame's up by one late. Get an empty net goal. I get a hat. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Out okay. okay. If not, you know, Notre Dame wins. Maybe they lose. I get a hat either way. It's a cool hat. Yeah. So, win-win. Yeah. The other game's going to be a good one, too. The other game's going to be a fun one. I'm excited to see how Ohio State and Denver comes out. And then, of course, St. Cloud is going to play their first tournament game since being upset in the first round last year. And against American International. In the tournament for the first time after winning eight games two years ago. And they're wondering if they're going to keep the program along any mm-hmm. longer. So... What a turnaround for them, uh, a school that I bet a lot of people listening right now have never heard of, no. <laughs> out in Springfield, Massachusetts, the Yellow Jackets, with a really wacky logo if you mm-hmm. look at it. Um, I honestly would not be surprised if they pulled off the Really? Because, you know, you see one seeds go down all the time, mm-hmm. and you have that spark with them. Mm-hmm. Teams who have never made it in the tournament before are excited. They're ready to go. Air Force's first bid, they were good. Yep. Huntsville, when they made it, took Arizona Notre Dame State to overtime. Arizona State. You wonder, you know, RIT, I think, was their first year. They, yeah. they went, went on a long run. I mean, it's just... 
they get amped for it, and St. Cloud is notorious for not showing up in the, in the tournament. Especially if Palin can't play, he's still a game-time decision. Yeah, and uh, you wonder if Minnesota State's going to show up. Oh, boy. They, they, shocking fact, but Minnesota State, despite how good they are, has never won a tournament game. And they play essentially a road game, Providence at Providence. Yeah. That's a tough first-round draw. Yeah, I... I you know, and then there's this debate that going on, which I think really needs to happen. It's, you know, schools have to bid. They Hosts scored. Is, which team? UMass. UMass okay. won nothing. Okay. But uh, we were talking, you know, there's not a lot of Western regionals. The Western regionals, but the Midwest regional is in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That Midwestern mecca of, <laughs> of Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's... Places aren't bidding. Arenas aren't bidding out in the Midwest. Uh, you know, teams aren't bidding to host. It's, you know, that needs to happen because you have teams that from, you know, the WCHA and, uh, you know, the NCHC who should be, like, hosting yeah. and playing closer to home are traveling quite a ways away as one seed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, Minnesota State's a one seed, and they're going all the way to Providence right. to play a team that actually plays in Providence in the first round. There's something wrong there, and it needs to be fixed. It's probably not going to happen next year because, you know, the regional is already set, but maybe, like, two years from now that can happen. I tell you what, we were going to do opening day in this segment. Let's just stick with hockey since we're about halfway <laughs> into it. Uh, UMass leading one nothing. I actually thought they were the most vulnerable number one seed in this tournament, but right now they've got about twice as much ice time in the offensive zone as Harvard does. Harvard did have a disallowed goal early on, and they're reviewing this one right now. But five minutes left in the second period, I think it's going to stand and UMass leads at one nothing over Harvard. I still think Adam Fox is my pick for Hobie for the Hobie Baker Award this year. It's a it's a good pick. I uh, I can see him definitely being the uh, um, the Hobie hat trick, the final three finalists. I can see that happening. Uh, with I think they're the most vulnerable number one seed too. Um, but you really don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Duluth <laughs> loses yeah. in the first round. Um, that could happen. I, we already talked about St. Cloud, talked about Minnesota State. I mean, there's no lockdown team that you know is going to get past the first round. No. And primarily it's because two of the teams choke <laughs> in the tournament. Very rarely do more than two one seeds actually make the Frozen Four. Yeah, it's uh, they either get bounced in the first round or in the, uh, the regional final. And uh, I was at... You know, the regional final, the regional tournament in 09, uh, the West Regional, which is at Mariucci Arena in Minneapolis, uh, there's a crazy, crazy weekend. Uh, Miami throttled number one seed Denver, and then <laughs> Duluth beat Princeton in a bizarre mm. comeback where they tied it up with, like, in the closing seconds because of a terrible play by the Princeton goalie and then scored in overtime. It was, it was wild. And, uh, but it was a cool weekend, and uh, you never know what's going to happen to regionals. You may have an idea in your mind, but things can shock you. Uh, RIT made the Frozen Four mm-hmm. as a four seed. <laughs> and um, Miami that year in 09 made the championship game as a four seed. So you never know. I feel like the toughest overall regional is the one out in Fargo this year because it's a 50-50 game between Denver and Ohio State. If AIC, and you're correct, does have that spark and they can find a way to beat St. Cloud, they'll be a force to be reckoned with, and St. Cloud is a lot of people's choice to win the national title this year. So I envy uh, my good friend Clay Matvick out there. Did I tell you I know Clay Matvick? He's a good guy. No, but I'm not surprised. He's a good (laughs) guy. Uh, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up too high yet, but... 80 to 90 percent chance he'll be stopping by the sports pen next week so we're gonna hopefully get his thoughts about the fargo regional so do you think you consider him a close personal friend oh he's not a close personal friend but he you know gives me advice whenever i talk to him uh when he found out i joined espn he sent me a congratulations message he's he's a good guy okay so yeah i like clay uh still talk to him every once in a while so uh Hopefully we can talk to him next week and all the listeners get uh, get a taste of what he has to offer um the best goalie regional, though, is out in Providence this year. Would you agree with me? With Hayden Hockey, Caden Primo, the guys they have out there. And, uh, of course, Dryden McKay. Dryden McKay. <laughs> um, who, uh, you know, some people say got robbed out of the WCHA Goaltender of the Year mm-hmm. award. Um, it went to Tolvanen. Uh, um, I personally, sorry, Wildcat fans, I would have gone with McKay because he's a 
he's had a much more um, spectacular year, better stats. You know, they were uh, Mankato's weakness going into this year was thought to be goaltending, and he really shined. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Iserson struggled, um, he stepped in and the starting role and really put the team on his back. So I think, I think he. I think he's the one to beat, though. I mean, there's a lot of good goalies in that regional, but the way he's just played this year and the way (laughs) Mankato's just so good all around, Mm -hmm. it's like if he can play at the top of his game, they could make some noise. Well, I tell you what, you look at this UMass game. They still lead Harvard 1-0, four and a half minutes left in the second period. You have the two top power plays in all of college hockey going up against each other today. Harvard number one, UMass number two. UMass has had a little bit of a goalie controversy. It looked like Matt Murray was not only going to be their goalie, guy for the season he looked like one of the best goalies in the country before christmas and he's fallen off lately philip Lindbergh has kind of been the guy they've relied on lately and the backup Lindbergh is the one starting the ncaa tournament today how worried should they be about their goalie situation you can kind of throw denver in the same boat because they're rotating two goalies right now it's a little then you wonder who's going to play mm-hmm. and if they man and they struggle and they win is the other guy going to play because right. it uh I feel like you at this point in the year you need to have decided who your number one guy is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're still rotating, it shows that you're really not confident in either guy, no. and uh, that's that says a lot. And it shows the team you're playing that this team is vulnerable. They're not organized <laughs> enough. They don't even know who's going to play by right. the time the puck drops. So they're it's they're it's a very noticeable weakness, and uh, I'm a little surprised that. They haven't figured that out. Tell you what, give me your honest thoughts. Notre Dame is a three seed. What kind of chance do they have at coming out of that regional in New Hampshire? Uh, <laughs> not great. I know. Um, uh, but they played well in the Big Ten tournament. They got the auto bid. Um, and you never know. I, I would say maybe 50%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's you never know what's going to happen because all you need to do is win two wins out of the weekend. Right. But, uh I don't know. <laughs> They're playing hot enough right now. They just don't have the offense they used to. You know, Wegworth was lost for the year around New Year's. That's really hurt them. And, you know, their best players are on defense with Peak and Hellickson. And, of course, uh, Kale Morris will give you a chance to win. But you need to score. You need to score the puck. You don't have Jake Evans anymore. Yeah, you um, you can't just rely on goaltending. Mm-hmm. And as good as Morris is, um, I was a little surprised he's not a Hobie finalist. He had mm-hmm. a great year. But, uh no goalies, by the way, are in the in the Hobie finalists. Yeah. So there's your stat for you. And no WCHA players are no. in the top ten, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. There were a lot of good players this year. I'm surprised Loggins isn't in there. But then again, Patoni didn't put him up for Hobie, so that's probably mm. why. Um, it just it's weird. <laughs> I, I would have thought I would have thought this year that there would have been definitely some WCHA representatives. Before we hit the break, uh, I wanted to run this by just get your thoughts on it not related to college hockey but our question of the day we did on twitter uh i think i've asked you this question before on the show if only one of your favorite pro sports teams could win a or another championship during your lifetime which one would it be we asked our listeners uh the results were maybe a little bit surprising for our listeners if you could only have one of your favorite teams win a championship during your lifetime none of the others ever could which one would you pick 58% 58% said they want their NFL team. So, not a surprise there. Probably a lot of Lion and Packer fans around here with, you know, the Packers are a proud tradition, rich history that has won twice in the last 20 something years. The Lions have never won one, so or been there. Or been there. <laughs> yeah. Uh 33% said their Major League Baseball team, just 9% between the other two sports combined. NHL was 6%, NBA with 3. I'm if you're Michigan fan in the area i'm not surprised because the lions have been so inept over the Mm -hmm. years that they're just would be ecstatic and there's a lot of listeners a lot of followers on twitter who are big lions fans and i think if that were to happen they would be satisfied maybe to the end of their days (laughs) if that were to happen they don't even need to win another title just have that just have that one super bowl um the Tigers, you know, um, they've come close the last few years, uh, 06, 012. Probably should have made it in 13. Um, so I, I can see Tigers fans wishing that. The Red Wings have been so successful, so I'm sure a lot of people are just like, meh, <laughs> they're okay with that. And there's 
I was convinced for the longest time that Blake Froling was the only Pistons fan in the entire <laughs> Upper Peninsula because he was the only person who would talk about the Pistons on Twitter. He would mm. be the only person who ta- he'd devote a segment to talk about the Pistons right? in the show, but we'd never get Collins on it. And uh, it was just odd. The Pistons, I wrote a column about it too. I said, Are there Pistons fans up here? And nobody responded. <laughs> so I'm like, Okay, I can understand the NBA thing, I guess. Uh, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg in the studio with you. one nothing UMass. They lead Harvard. Two minutes left in the second period. Still scoreless uh, late in the first period between Denver and Ohio State. We'll take a timeout as we hit the halfway point. Opening day talk next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Here's your Sports Center update. Former Packers and Lions offensive guard T.J. Lang has announced his retirement after 10 NFL seasons. Lang was released by Detroit earlier this offseason. Kendall Coyne Schofield will be the new captain of the 2019 USA Women's National Hockey Team. And finally... The Charlotte Hornets have parted ways with play-by-play broadcaster Chris Kroger. This was Kroger's first season with Charlotte. Steve Martin, who retired at the end of last year, will call the final eight games of the year. The Hornets did not uh, disclose any details as to why Kroger was no longer with the team, but we are going to keep an eye on this one because that's strange. You have a rookie broadcaster and you can him after what, or uh, uh, not even through his first season. You've got eight games left, not even going to let him finish out the year and not tell us why? That's a little weird. That is a little weird. And, uh, well, not as weird as Greg Schiano. Yeah. <laughs> I have an idea maybe what happened I have, a, I have a theory, too. <laughs> uh, when you put out a message like that, it's pretty clear what yeah. you did. Uh, but, man, I, I just don't know what happened. You know, especially in my line of work, I guess. Uh, it just kind of surprised me, you know. He was getting nationally recognized for his call of Jeremy Lamb's buzzer beater on Sunday night, too. I wonder if he did something. I wonder, too. I'd Say something, did something, I don't know. This surprised me. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what happened. but uh, Fought with management? <laughs> I don't know. It's, if you're looking, the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play job is open, so... Eh, if, you want to move to, <laughs> if you want to move to North Carolina, yeah. yeah. Why not? It's a nice place. I I've think. never been. I've never been there either. I just heard from other people it's a nice place. Uh, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. They are hitting the end of the period in Fargo. Ohio State, Denver are still scoreless. Ohio State trying to get back to the Frozen Four. Denver was there two years ago when they won the national title. On the other side of things, still one nothing. UMass after two, they lead Harvard. Opening day was yesterday. We're going to get to that in a moment. All UP boys basketball teams were released at 12.01 this morning. They embargo it till then, and that's the same time the girls will be released tonight. We'll know the girls, all UP teams, by tonight. But the boys, what stood out to you from there? It was um, the all UP team wasn't really a surprise for Dream Team. Mm -hmm. uh, They were clearly the five best players. That's who I would have predicted that was going to do it. Um, Reese Caster, Maris Grizoulis of Marquette, uh, the two Iron Mountain guys, Foster Wonders, and uh, Marcus Johnson, and then Matt Ojala to Calumet, who might have been out of the five, maybe the I don't want to say surprise, but like right. kind of like the unknown, like the four guys you'd expect it and then to fill the fifth spot. Well, that but was, happens in the Copper Cup. Yeah, and uh, very much well-deserving of that. Uh, Matt had some good stats, and uh, so no surprises there. Foster Wonders, of course, won Mr. UP Basketball and Division One, Two, Three Player of the Year. Um, he just, obviously, everybody knows, had a spectacular year, so no surprise there. Um for the first team. By the way, pick up a copy of Mining, Mining Journal. We really worked hard on that special section. Look good. Today. I saw the cover. That, that, Look good. Thanks. So uh, um, the first team, Jason Waterman Nagani made it. Tucker Taylor of uh, Gwen made it. And uh, Anthony Matson of Munising made it. Uh, so three good uh, guys with stats deserve their spots. Uh, the second team, four local guys, mm-hmm. Jackson Sager and Nagani, Nathan Beckman of Westwood, uh, Bryce Brazo of Marquette, and um, Austin Forbes of Gwynn made it too. So uh, just a lot of good representatives, um, all deserving. It's always a tough call in the second team because it's all, 
for people who don't know, when it comes to the second team, it's when all the voters try to shove as many players as they possibly can from their area to see if they can get in um, or try to get special mention or something like that. So uh, that's where the toughest part of the, of the voting begins. That's where the longest part of the voting comes. So um, there's some players that you can make the case should have been on there. Um, there's a couple in my mind, but, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like the spots are filled by people who really didn't deserve right. it. You know, it was, you know, guys who maybe had similar stats but maybe impressed people a little more. So, um, but, yeah, all well-deserving. Uh, and uh, the girls comes out tonight. Uh, uh, it's interesting. I think people will be happy with the girls' picks. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tease it a little bit. Um, it was... Uh, I can't announce it till midnight, right. but <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think people be happy with the dream team. Uh, the first teams all look good. Uh, there was every year. There's always some controversial thing that happens with the voters, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll upset the coaches and upset <laughs> upset fans. And but this year, I don't think there was one thing, you know. And uh, that would that uh, made success look good, and in my opinion, it makes everybody else look good too because. You don't want to look bad in the eyes of fans, and it's rare that we get through it. I mean, football, you were at the football meeting. Yep. That's an affair, isn't it? (laughs) That's something else, and it's a grueling day. Basketball went a lot faster, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's – I prefer the basketball day. That's just me as much as I, you know, love uh, lobbying for local football players. It's a much faster day for basketball, but – I think people will be happy. Girls section, of course, comes out tomorrow in the Mining Journal. Um, Paige will look, uh, I mean, the the headline will look the similar. It just says girls on it, but there's going to be different cutouts and a whole little different setup. So uh, hopefully we'll pick that up, too. I was uh, happy with the Westwood selection. Of course, we are the flagship home for Westwood Athletics. Nathan Beckman, well-deserving, got on second team. Special mention, honorable mention are different. A special mention is essentially a third team. Uh, Blake Hewitt got that. Zach Nimi, Ty Alderton both got honorable mentions. So some good accolades for the boys team. And uh, we'll see what the girls get here by midnight. Yeah, it, uh, I like special mention because it's like you probably just missed the cut on the second team. So mm-hmm. you still get noticed. Honorable mention is usually the ones that, you know, we decide at the meeting. We're just like, you know what? They're probably not going to get the votes to get special mentions, so you know we'll just list you as honorable. Um, but it's still the fact that you even made it that far is you know accomplishing it yourself. Um, so, I yeah, it was an interesting day. Well, I tell you what, both games are now at intermission. Continue to keep an eye on those. Uh, opening day was yesterday, the true yeah. opening day, and I don't want to disparage the Japan series or anything like that. I thought it was cool. We had that about a week and a half ago. But for those of us who are fans of the teams that have to wait till opening day, yesterday we got going for real, for real. And Major League Baseball set an opening day record. They actually tied one from 20 years ago with 46 home runs hit on opening day. Although five teams ended up getting shut again, uh, getting shut out, and that's just kind of the way baseball's going right now. Yeah, you either <clears throat> are getting dominated by good pitching, <laughs> or uh, you know you're hitting home runs. It was uh, Tigers said Jordan Zimmerman, perfect until the seventh. Yeah, had a great game throwing the ball. Uh, Tigers went in ten innings. You, the Brewers had a wacky game. Lorenzo Kane with the uh, <laughs> game tying rob of a home run. You know that was and great. All nine runs in that game came off the came from the long ball. Yeah, driven in by home runs. Yeah, I'm sure uh, that wasn't. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch <laughs> the game, but I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure it was an entertaining. I one. was listening to it. I had Euchre on here in the studio. Yeah, Euchre. Oh yeah, classic guy. He is something else. I uh, really made Major League the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the iconic movie that what it is. Um, uh, but. That was fun. Uh, Cubs teed off on the Rangers. Oh, boy, did and, they ever. Uh, you know, the Dodgers went nuts with eight home runs. You know, it was uh, it was a interesting day. And opening day is really, uh, you know, I'm going to write about that in my columnist. Like, it's really a special occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every the four major sports leaves have, like, week one. And they have, like, you know, the first game. But baseball really markets itself mm-hmm. on opening day. Like, they actually have it trademark opening day. You know, they really hype it up and it's the one day of the year where teams are guaranteed that you're going to get a good crowd yeah. because people show up for it i mean uh 
people stood in line at Target Field. They were in line <laughs> for like an hour before the game started, mm. which you wouldn't expect in late March right. <laughs> at a baseball game. But in Minnesota, uh, in Minnesota, so it's I'm it's a good day all around. I look forward to opening day. There's people who are like. Hockey reporters, basketball reporters, football reporters completely shifted their entire focus on their favorite teams so they could watch opening day. So uh, it was it was a good day. I look forward to it. Well, I tell you what, you talked about the Dodgers. They had eight home runs yesterday as they romp in their opener. Jock Peterson had two of them, and he said post-game, this is just what people expect of us. And that got me thinking, what do people exactly expect from the Dodgers? Because they're consistently one of the best teams in all of baseball. But they get to the finals, and they just don't win it. And at what point is that not acceptable for management? Because Doc Roberts just got a four-year contract extension, um, but he's not able to bring home the World Series with the rosters he's had. I'm not convinced that he will. And Magic Johnson's a part owner of that team. He loves blaming coaches for Los Angeles failures or what have you. I don't know that the Dodgers are a failure. By I'm not saying that by any stretch, but... What is the expectation Jock Peterson's talking about? Is it to be like the Buffalo Bills teams of the 90s and get to four straight Super Bowls and lose them all? Or what is the expectation? The expectation now is you better win a World Series at this point. You better. Yeah, they've you know come short. Should have made the World Series in 2016, but they choked in the NLCS against the Cubs, which, by the way, thanks for doing that as a mm. Cubs fan. Um in 2017, made it to the World Series, took it to seven games, lost to Houston. You Darvish looked atrocious yep. in that game on the mound. Uh, and then last year, they made the World Series and just looked off against yeah. the Red Sox. I mean, it was like, I mean, they then they win that like one game but, in like I mean, 18 in innings. 18 innings. But like other than that, they just didn't look good. So I would say it's a not is it like. Maybe a now or never year. Yeah. Like, okay, you've had already had two chances at it. You probably should have won one by now, even before then. Mm-hmm. When's it going to happen? And uh, I would say if it's not this year, you wonder if it's ever going to happen, at least with the current lineup they have. I can say this to you as a Minnesota guy. How about the Twins yesterday? I like this Marwin Gonzalez, one of the later additions to the team. Right now he's on pace for 234 doubles this season, if well, he keeps you, up what he did yesterday. Well, there you go. <laughs> Just teeing off every single game. you know. Uh, but, yeah, it was nice to see them. The Twins were so bad last year. Yeah, they and were. It was a long year. And, and they were expected uh, to be pretty good last year. Yeah, they, you know, a potential playoff team. They made the wild card two years ago. I mean, you'd think that maybe they could build on that, and they, mm-hmm. looked, and they just took a huge tumble. Maybe they'll be better this year. I don't know. Uh, if Barrios uh, pitches like that. And uh, they changed their manager. Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Molitor was thrown out after last season, and now uh, they got a guy who's... Isn't he, like, younger than the uh, Nelson Cruz? <laughs> he, is, he is two years younger than Nelson Cruz is starting DH. He's the youngest manager in baseball. Rocco Baldelli at 37 years old. How about that? And how about Paul Molitor sitting right behind home plate yesterday for the opener? That's His awkward. first game after being fired. <laughs> uh, hey, this team played better today than they did under me. How about that? Yeah, maybe I should have shook up the roster <laughs> yeah, like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of like this Twins roster, and Barrio sets a Twins opening day record with 10 strikeouts yesterday, uh, so it was good to see as a Twins fan they do that, and I don't know. We'll see if they can keep it up throughout the year. Yeah, and no snow. No snow. It was Weird. actually a fairly temperate day. It yeah, like it, uh, you know, when I saw the schedule, and I'll point in my column, I was just like, why are you scheduling home games mm. in northern cities in late March? There's going to be tons of snow on the ground. But it's all like the majority of it's melted, mm-hmm. you know? It's like now there's rumors we might get snow again this weekend. Yeah. I'm hoping it doesn't, or if it does, it goes away fast. But just it's it's weird you know and uh, late march it was a somewhat tolerable day outside at target mm-hmm. field and you wonder if the tigers played at comerica if it would have been the same instead they're playing at the rogers center at the retractable dome stadium in toronto mm-hmm. so and apparently it was fairly decent there too although i think they closed the roof right yeah so but it was at least nice outside so there you go remember last year around this time fernando rodney was still on the team's catching snowflakes on his tongue when they played in pittsburgh Nice. Yeah. We're we're happy that weather <laughs> Exactly. Right Ryan Stig of the Mining Journal is in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out. We'll end the week as we always do with the Friday Funnies next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. 
Welcome back to Enter Hoops. Ryan Stieg with you on the Sports Pen Friday afternoon. Getting set to send you into the weekend. Before we do so, though, I forgot to do this before the break. Ryan, I want to tie this in when we're talking about opening day. MLB.com, and more specifically, MLBShop.com, has released their final jersey sales since New Year's. Uh, who would you guess, if you had to guess anybody, that would be in the top ten for Major League Most Popular Player jersey sales? Probably Mike Trout. Mike Trout is number four on the list. Bryce Harper. Harper's number one. His new Phillies jersey, wearing number three. Uh, maybe Cabrera. Miggy is not on the list. Okay. Um, not in the top ten, anyway. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is not on the list. Baez. Baez is number seven. Um... Oh, someone on the Red Sox. I'm drawing a blank. Um, maybe Mookie Betts. Mookie's number three. <laughs> okay. Um, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw is number six. Okay. You're on a roll. <laughs> um, I don't know if the Brewers are up there yet. I don't know if Yelich has, is. Oh, he is. Okay. He is number eight. All right. Um, uh, I just. Now I'm drawing a blank. I'm we the have uh, Bryce Harper at number one, Aaron Judge number two, Mookie's at number three, Trout Standing at number four, Yachty comes in at number five, Clayton Kershaw sixth, Javi Baez seventh, Christian Yelich eighth, Rizzo is ninth, Ronald Acuna Jr., the reigning NL Rookie of the Year, is tenth. So those are MLB's most popular jersey sales since New Year's. Any well, surprise on that list? No, and I'm not surprised that Harper's Phillies jersey is taken <laughs> off either. And this is all since New Year's, and he didn't make this move until last month. So, yeah, basically sales are skyrocketing in Philadelphia. And half the time. Yeah, so kudos <laughs> to you, Philly. Good for Harper. By the way, tough day for him yesterday. 0 for 3. And was booed. And was booed. Not a, not a stadium-wide boo, but there were a few, which if you get paid that kind of money and you don't perform in Philadelphia of all cities... You're gonna get. You're gonna hear it. You're yeah, gonna hear and uh, it. he uh, not a rep first. <laughs> and you know, you wonder how much the layoff. You know, he didn't play in spring training right. for quite a long stretch. You're wondering if that had an effect on him, and he uh, maybe it did because he, he did not down your last he year. He did not look sharp in that first game, so maybe he'll make up for it. Uh, otherwise, he'll really hear it by the end of the weekend. Had a good throw to gun out a base runner in like the first inning, but. Other than that, didn't do much at the no, plate. No, you're, you're paid to hit, dude. <laughs> it's like you can throw out as many guys as you want. But. Scored on Hoskins' grand slam because he was intentionally walked. So, so you stood on a base. He stood on a base <laughs> and he crossed home plate. Wait, there you go. I tell you what, uh, before we sign off for the weekend, we have got the Friday Funnies. All right, a uh, couple quick ones. Okay, so I'm looking online and I find out that Colgate, who people – would know they played Tennessee in the first round. I thought you meant the toothpaste at first. Nope, nope. Colgate University uh, decided to rent out the Ohio State pet band because mm. they're playing in Columbus. Colgate has a pet band mm. and has told Ohio State that they don't have a pet band. So they hired Ohio State's pet band to play for Colgate, put on their shirts and all that jazz. And didn't send their own pet band. When asked about it, the associate AD said, this is not an uncommon practice. Um, well, because they didn't think that they had the size to perform on a national TV scale because they only had 20 people. So here's my thought. Okay, if bring those 20 people, and if you really need space, then hire a couple Ohio State kids. <laughs> don't just, like, completely disregard your own pet band and then say you don't have one. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, the Colgate uh, pet band members are very enraged at the university. I wouldn't right? blame them. <laughs> yeah. And they lost that game. And they did. Just so, think, if your actual pet band had been there, you might have performed better. Buckeye band didn't help? No. No. Uh... Let's see what I got here. Well, I already talked about Rick Barnes' dumb strategy. <laughs> and we mentioned Greg Schiano's uh, <laughs> leaving to spend time on his faith and family. It's very you, abrupt. Exactly. Yeah, I'll let you guys come to your own conclusions on that one. Uh, Jordan Bell of the Warriors was suspect, suspended for a game this week. Uh, they found out it was because he charged a purchase of a $15 candle at the team hotel to assistant coach Mike Brown. No. As Why a, are you buying a candle? As a, as a prank. You're um, a boy. And uh, Brown kind of flipped out over it because he thought he was paying for a bunch of secret stuff for people. Oh, Finally, it was just that one thing. So he suspended for a game, and it was over a 50. Okay, Mike, really? 
It's a $15 candle. It's not like you paid like a $200 tab at a bar or something like that. It was a candle. But he got suspended for a game over purchasing a candle. So there you go. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, in Hastings, Minnesota, uh, area I'm familiar with, um, two men decided to drive into the Veterans Athletic Complex and did several donuts on the soccer field. Uh, damaged 200,000 square feet oh of the fields, caused tens of thousands of property damage. Now, I have never gone donut spinning. Mm. I know it's a rural thing mm-hmm. <laughs> in smaller towns, but what possesses you to go into a soccer complex and do, and they said, like, several donuts. If you've seen the photos of it, there's, like, at least a dozen, potentially over 20 donuts all over the soccer fields. To answer your question, probably Jack Daniels. That's probably what Some drinking probably yeah. played the role into it, but it's just, like, that. <laughs> that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Not, like, donuts and a lot. No, no we're going to go to the soccer field and, like, spin around for an hour. It was... Maybe they hate soccer. Yeah. They were arrested, though, so yeah. it looks like justice will prevail on that but uh there's your funny for the week is a bunch of is two crazy guys in minnesota decide to do donuts in a part and in a soccer complex and um i'm gonna end it on this note i mentioned uh barry switzer um barry switzer's uh tweet the other day um Barry was talking about how when he got hired as the Dallas Cowboys head coach, Mm. he said Jerry Jones made a phone call, and he took the job, and he was all excited. And Tim Collishaw, who writes for the Dallas Morning News and is on Around the Horn quite a few times, does some stuff for ESPN, said that when the news came out, he and Ed Werder didn't believe it. And Barry decided to, I don't know if this is a typo or just how he talks, but went in a weird direction in his response, saying, if Jerry had not made that call, I never would have gotten to know your A or Ed's. I'm censoring this. Yeah. Always thought you guys were pretty fair. I only eat Ed's A out one time. Let him tell you about it. <laughs> and you know what's the biggest part of that dumpster fire? He still hasn't deleted that tweet. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It's still up there. there. Yes. He's so, just leaving it up there. <laughs> <laughs> he, I ate Ed's A <laughs> out and let him tell you when to. I'd love to know, like, what happened in that <laughs> at that moment. Maybe I know it wasn't a typo. Yeah, who knows? I, I don't know what Barry was saying there, but uh, yeah, that, uh, I'm going to close on that note. I don't know if you want that image in your head, but uh, that was the. The Colgate thing was probably the most frustrating story that I saw. This is the most bizarre one. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if this is just how Barry talks or what, but uh, in that Oklahoma drawl he has, if that's a down western kind of thing, but wow. And why is he not deleting And now it? Why, why, you tweet that out, you're teased about it, people are mocking it right all over Twitter. And you're just okay with it. It's been like three days. It's like, either he's fine with it, or he hasn't figured out how to delete a tweet. So, there you go. That's the last funny for the week. I tell you what, they're just underway in New Hampshire. UMass still up 1-0 on Harvard, I should say, underway in the third period. We will know the Frozen Four field by the end of the weekend. We will know the Final Four field as well. Appreciate you as always, and the next time we're talking, we'll have both those to break down. Yeah, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it next week. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.